Welcome to the Gold Standard here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. And I'm Adam Vingan at Adam Vingan. We are, this is our first in-season fall hockey podcast in over a year. Ever, actually ever, since you and I have ever been doing this. When did we start this show? September of last year. Yes, yeah, so we've never done a fall-in-season yes. show before. I love it. There's hockey to be talked about. The Preds are three games into the season. We've got four big games coming up. We will talk about the roster decisions that I think are very interesting from John Hines as it pertains to Cody Glass and Philip Tomasino, of course. We've got the stadium series. Uh, we'll talk about that. The sellout streak. We'll we'll look at some of the how this team has played, of course, through the first three games. You are doing a new fashion feature on The Athletic, which uh, after reading Friend of the Pod, Sarah Sivian's work, I think the bar is very high for you, sir. Um, well, I've I'm, got an ace up my sleeve for my first edition okay. of the NHL style power rankings to come out next week. I have a very special guest okay. who knows a okay. thing or two about fashion who will be participating in this week's edition. And this is why you pay for great journalism, of course, at The Athletic, where you can read all of Adam's work, as well as the fashion style power rankings uh, every other week from Adam Adam Bingen, but co- co-working there, co-authoring with Sarah Sivian throughout the year. Um, you and I got to go to a concert over the weekend, uh, so we'll talk about that. Your first ever trip, uh, or first ever uh, viewing of one particular musician that is a favorite of mine, so we'll, we'll discuss that. We've got a lot of stuff to get to on the show today. Uh, however... Before we do any of that, of course, the gold standard is brought to you by Jaspers, where I would not throw a drink in Stephen Godfrey's face because I don't want to waste a gold standard cocktail. But I heard the start of the Fringe Element podcast, and I've got some beef, which also is available at Jaspers and quite delicious. (laughs) But I've got some beef with the Fringe Element crew. Which we tried to start a while ago, and then it kind of... Petered out. out. Yeah, and now yes. now it's back in full force, though. All right, so why don't you set up for the fine folks well, listening what happened? Go, for those who haven't listened, please listen to the Fringe Element podcast. But if you haven't yet, we'll summarize it here. So yes. go ahead. Number, number one, go to Jasper's. Yes. Number two, um, you can listen to Stephen Godfrey, Aaron Dugan, and myself talking SEC football every single Wednesday on the Fringe Element podcast, which I recommend that you do. Oh, by the way, Sean Henry going to be on Lamestream Sports coming up on Friday. So you Preds fans are going to like that as well. Uh, talked a lot about just everything with Sean. So that's coming up on Friday's edition of Lamestream Sports. Well, w- Stephen Godfrey unprompted on the Fringe Element podcast this week basically threw you under the bus mm-hmm. saying that Aaron Dugan, our other co-host on that show, is far better at doing the Jaspers ads than you are, which was completely unsolicited aggression. On I think hi- on his she does part, right? a fabulous job at them. Off the top of her head, she not, she does a much... Better job. See, you're not even disagreeing. With I'm them. not disagreeing with that. That's not the issue. Go to Jasper's. The issue is not with with Aaron's ability to come okay. up with uh, catchy taglines off the top of the head. Although her most recent one was clearly a ripoff of Maybelline, <laughs> which I think um, was the point. Which was the point. Yeah. Um, but here is the issue. I don't know how my Saints fandom came into this. How did that come up again? I don't, I don't even remember. So, let, first of all, I I need to correct you on something. Oh. I need to correct you on something. So, you've got my biography a little mixed up. So, you are pretty, correct in saying... Close. you 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 kind of close, but not exactly. <laughs> so, you are correct in saying that I was born in Durham, North Carolina. 
you are wrong in saying that I grew up in the Washington, D.C. area. That's, I was raised true. in Virginia Beach, Virginia. I went to college in D.C. and okay. worked four years post-college in D.C. before moving to Nashville. So, Okay, my apologies to you. Steven has an issue with the origins of my Saints fandom. Which I also think there are some gray areas, too. But, so, I, but I've told you that on this show before. I know you have, but for those who don't remember, we're going to talk Fred's hockey. By let's the way. set this back up. Okay. I can't get this. All, I can't talk about hockey until I get this <laughs> off my chest. So my sister Alyssa, my older sister, she's two years older than me. My sister was accepted to Tulane University in two thousand five. Excellent school. Her, which is in New Orleans. Yes. Not outside of New Orleans. Not in suburban New Orleans. In the city of New Orleans. So my sister, we moved we moved her into college. My parents did. I stayed back. But we moved her into college. And almost immediately, she had to evacuate New Orleans because of the incoming Hurricane Katrina. Tulane's entire fall semester, my, sis- my sister's first semester of college was canceled. She ended up um, transferring to UVA for that. God, for, for she, that- is she like a genius or something? <laughs> Well, I think UVA was nice enough to... I mean, my sister is very intelligent. And UVA <laughs> my UVA was very kind to accept displaced Tulane students that sure, lived in sure, Virginia. Sure. So um, so my sister went to, Go to Jasper. Virginia temporarily and then went back to New Orleans. So as someone, as a family that had some connection to New Orleans, albeit a new connection, but a connection nonetheless... To New Orleans, we were very in tune with what was happening with the city post-Katrina, which, of course, was incredibly devastating. And the you, one could argue— You're speaking down directly to Stephen Gottfried, yes, right? One okay. could argue right. that, the, that the one entity that kept that city together when all looked lost were the New Orleans Saints. They, they played a significant role— in the and you know the Superdome ended up becoming a house for for people. Yeah, it was a house. It was a shelter. Yeah. It became a shelter. So I didn't have a football team that I rooted for regularly up until that point. So I became a Saints fan. We looked up the exact date. What did you wrote it down? Uh, it what'd you say? September twenty. It was late September. Late September yeah. two thousand six. The the Steve Gleason game, which is an extraordinary football game, by the way. The Steve Gleason game, Green Day and U two performed. The Saints are coming before the game on the Superdome field, and it was that game that I that I started becoming a Saints fan, which, which is was, which is way before the Super which Bowl. was three years okay. before they defeated the Indianapolis Colts to win a Super Bowl. So I have been a Saints fan for fifteen years. <laughs> So I've got. How I, old were you in in, in September 2006, of 2006? I would have been seventeen. Oh, you are you you are one of. The, I'm, I'm, I'll be honest with you here, Adam. We'll talk predators. Go to Jaspers. Th- this is one of the most borderline cases of fandom that I've ever heard. Okay, me- meaning I don't necessarily like. You've sort of convinced me a little bit of your stance. I generally fall in Steven's side of things that you can't just like adopt teams, even though. You have laid out a very nice case for all the emotional reasons why. Yeah, and, and seventeen is pretty young, but like if you were twelve, it would have been it, the story would be I would side with you. I think that's how close you are for this to be legitimate versus not legitimate. And Stephen has very strict rules on this. So. Well, 
some people like to question. We will talk hockey at some point. We will, and we'll finish with this. Some people like to question my Duke fandom, but I was You're born. From Durham, I was so. born in Durham, North Carolina, at Duke University Medical yeah, yeah, Center. Yeah. So can't can't you can't. I don't think you can question that. You one. can't question that one, even though not only did I not attend Duke, I didn't even apply. But you have been a fan of that team basketball my school life. since the beginning. Yes, my entire so that life. being from a place yes. qualifies you. Right, going to a place qualifies you. Uh, your dad or brother or father or mother or sister, whoever gave you this, this, like whoever taught you about that that team, right, can teach you to be a fan of that team. That's fair, right. fair game too. <clears throat> like my daughters are Predators fans. I grew up a Rangers fan because my dad was a Rangers fan. I have changed to the Predators because I live here. If you live in a place, you can change fandoms. My daughter was being taught that from me and lives here, so she can be a Predators fan. Y- you are very, you are, you are absolutely living. In, in the in-between world, between what's I fair think, and what's not I think not I fair. have a legitimate case. I think if I had become a Saints fan in 2011, like That's, the year after they had won the Super Bowl, I think, I think you can make a case. Before Super Bowl, family tie, you were a teenager. These are all things working in your favor. Yes. Okay. So uh, I will not be going to Jasper's with Steven. <laughs> his, his invitation has been rescinded. All right, we need a ruling. So Steven respond on the next fringe element podcast listeners. Go check out the show okay. about that. All right. The predators are one and two. And I just want to tell me how I should view the first three games because we have to overreact. Of course, Exactly as we anticipated them being when the <laughs> season started. I think one and two. Hang, hang on. Let me set up the question. Okay, go ahead. You've been talking the whole time. So they, the hard fought game against the Kings. They win two one. Yes. Would have liked to see an empty net goal there, but they don't get it. They do. They are. Not the better team against either Seattle or Carolina, but they sort of fight pretty hard in the third period, and they get to within. I know that they they scored an empty netter and then got back against Seattle. Again, two teams that are probably in the playoffs, right? Two decent teams. I wouldn't know about. I wouldn't say Seattle, Seattle was picked by many to finish third in the division. So I would, I well, whatever. the Pacific Division is not good, and that and that may be fair. Carolina is clearly the best team among the three teams yes. they played so far. So the the question is: Should we view it as three hard fought games? From a John Hines coached 200 foot team, or they're going to be one and two in every three game stretch the rest of the season. <laughs> when, when you look at the way that the Kings game played out, basically that game to me is a is how the Predators are going to have to win every game this season if they are going to win. Yeah, it's going to be low scoring. You know, they're not going to run anybody out of the rink. They're not going to win games six to two or seven to one or five to one or what have you or six to five this team does not have the firepower up front to win those games how many opportunities to score did the predators have in the first two periods on grade a scoring chances Yakov trendon had at least two breakaways philip forsberg had a breakaway that didn't that turned into a penalty shot and then and, Johan- had, and johansson had a follow-up that hit the crossbar i think on that and right? then and then forsberg had the penalty shot itself, I actually think the scoring chance on the play that led to the penalty shot was a better chance than the penalty shot itself. So they enter the third period down one nothing. They get an early power play goal from Matthew Shane. They get a a, a, a nice goal um, set up by Colton Sissons for Tanner Janot. You get great goaltending from UC Saros. He's been all three games. He's been you, very you good. Get, you get solid defense. That's how they're going to win games. I mean... To me, the the recipe in the game on Tuesday is basically how the Predators are going to have to play in order to win games. 
if, you know, think about the game against Carolina. That was a it was a one one game, right? Yeah. It was a one one game. They had a lot of chances. They could not score. And then Andrei Smechnikov comes right down the rink with six minutes left and yeah. scores yeah. because he is the type of player who can provide that offense. The Predators do not have such a player. And so I, when I look at one and two, I think it's about right. I mean, maybe they could be one, one, and one. But I think, you know, one win through three games is about what I expected. Now, I was interested to see if they would actually win last night's game because, or excuse me, Tuesday night's game, because you're listening to this on Thursday. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I had the NHL look up this stat for me because I love these random, obscure, highly specific stats. I wanted to know how many teams since 2005, the first season out of the lockout, had made the playoffs. When you became a Saints fan. Yes. Okay. When, <laughs> when I wanted to know how many teams in the NHL had made the playoffs since 2000, so it would have been the 2005-2006 season after losing at least their first three games in regulation. That is obscure. So teams that started 0-3. At least. They could okay. have started 0-4, 0-5, right, right, right. whatever. The The last two teams to make the playoffs when starting a season with at least a non-shortened season, so I don't count the... God, there's a lot of qualifiers. In right. There. Were the 2015-16 Kings and Penguins. Now, the, those Penguins won the Stanley Cup, but it would have been an uphill climb early on in the season if the Predators would have started with three consecutive regulation losses. So I I think it's important for many reasons for them to have won that game um, against the Kings. And we'll preview the upcoming schedule here later in the show. But all in all, what I've seen through three games is about what I expected. There hasn't been anything that I've seen yet that's been a huge surprise to me about how this team is operating. Two and eight on the power play, two and eight on the penalty kill. Uh, Ellie Tolvanen leading the team in shots. Six for eight on the penalty kill, you mean? Six for eight, sorry, yes. on the penalty sorry. kill. They've given up two two goals yes. out of eight chances. Um, you know, Ellie Tolvanen leading the team in shots. Roman Yossi second on shots. Um, UC Saros statistically, right? You know, he's right there at like two point oh three and nine twenty. Like, those are, if he if he keeps those numbers up, he'll be a Vesna candidate at the end of the year. I don't think he can keep the the, the goals against sitting right there, but. I don't disagree necessarily. I, you know, one and two, every three games would give you what record? Like, I mean, I guess you have to throw in some ties there, but but basically you're talking, what, 30, 30, 40, and 10-ish? 30, 45? Like, what, what, what is, I mean, that's that's less than 70, that's less than 80 points. If you're winning one, one of that, if you're winning one out of three. Yeah, you're, you're less than 70 You're points. asking me to do way too no, much No, 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 it's just, it's not, that's not. That's not a way you're going to make the playoffs. No, not not even close. So, so why did they? No, I don't want to jump into that yet. Yes, <laughs> we'll get there. We're talking about offensive scoring power so on the team. Can I say this? I yes. love, absolutely love, and I checked this. They they they're starting like barely thirty percent of their ice time in the offensive zone. It's seventy percent defensive zone time for Sissons, Trennan, and Janot. But I'm t- that's that I, I would watch that group play. T- Tanner, they played so much in the third period too because they had the lead. Yeah, that group is so much fun to watch. Tanner Janot to me embodies what the Predators what the Predators need to do to be successful. Like this particular group. Um, of course, he scored against the Kings, but he also absolutely Demolished. trucked yeah. Drew Doughty. You know, he plays. 
you know, a solid defensive game. He gets involved physically. He can score when the opportunity presents itself. As John Hines said after the game, he does all of the all of the thankless jobs. Yep. And I think when you look at what this team's identity is or what they want it to be, it's players like Tanner Janot that encapsulate that. Yeah, I agree with that. If you're looking for a player or if you're looking for a player to say this is how the Predators are trying to play, you know, Tanner Janot would be, you know, would probably be the first guy I'd point to. And I think the game against the Kings was was a prime example of that. And that's not very exciting. Like you, you I like watching I, it. I I know, but it's but not But I'm a product of the nineties though. I right, grew up watching it. But it's not like hockey. you know, it's not like Alex Ovechkin or right, right, Nathan right, right, McKinnon right. or Connor McDavid. It's Tanner Janot. <laughs> but you know, the you know, the Predators you know, are not a team, like I said, they're not running anybody out of the gym. Like, that's not what this team is. That's not what this team is built to do. This is not what this... They're Virginia basketball. Basically, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think that's a the apt description. I mean, Virginia wins games 47 to 38. That's a little dramatic, but yes. No, they no, they absolutely do win games. They're, they're more. It's more like 54-51. Okay, but, but it's yes. not 95-92. Right, right. I mean, I think if you're a college basketball fan which we both are, mm-hmm. I think Virginia basketball is an apt comparison to what the Predators are trying to do. It's very strange. It but is very yeah. strange, but yeah, I knew, that was but a you mentioned you, you mentioned Virginia and, you know. Um, Matt Duchesne, he did put back, uh, you know, picked up the, 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 the gar- not a garbage goal, but like he sort of, it was a, there was a fray there in front of the net and he kind of put it back and it was the game winner. Only his third game winner of his entire career as a Nashville Predator. So that's cool. <laughs> Um, do you, are you seeing he's, I think he's got 10 shots in three games. Are you seeing what you want to see out of Matt Duchesne? Yes, through three games? I am. And you know, one of the major off season and even late season last year discussion topics, and we've talked about it a lot on this show is whether Matt Duchesne had bought in to what John Hines had been trying to sell. And I think we both concluded that of the, highest paid players on the team he was the one that was slowest on the uptake is that the right terminology I, I think so I to rephrase it maybe just of all the players who had bought in the most he would be at the bottom of the list right that's a terrible I, I know poorly. what you're trying to say like yeah. there was he was the one that had the most questions about the buy-in yes we he was that yeah, that's right in terms of the top players on the team those we were wondering if those players would buy in Right. There were mo- the most questions were regarding Matt Duchesne. Um, and I think he's really played well these first few games. I think he's been more noticeable so far this season than he was at any point last year. I agree. And I know he was injured for a good portion of it. And it might be the most noticeable he's been since his first couple of games with the Predators a couple of seasons ago. Um, and that's great. I mean, he had the goal. Of course, he had another opportunity in tight and hit the crossbar. Yep. Um against the Kings. And um, it seems to me that he's gotten the message. John Hines seems to, you know, feel that way too. He's uh, leading all forwards in ice time. Well, I think that's, that's good. Uh, I mean, we talked about John Hines. He will, he will not hesitate to limit your ice time. If he doesn't feel like you're doing the things you're supposed to be doing. No, correct. So, and I, I mean, I think sign. it is a good sign. I mean, I've been encouraged by what I've seen from Matt Duchesne through three games. Okay. Forsberg and Johansson. I mean, I think the line has done a has a done a good job of 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 generating offense in terms of you know 
opportunities you know they haven't scored a ton at least not as much as they would like or maybe what they're expected to based on their underlying numbers um you know the question is of course they need other you know they can't they're they're being loaded up on the top line to to carry the the mail so to speak right. but they do need other lines to step up and you know Mikhail Granlund has I think four points in three yeah, games um you know Tolvanen had the goal against Seattle but has been otherwise quiet we haven't seen a, a lot from Luke Cunning yet this season. Um, we'll get to the you know we'll get to the younger players specifically yeah. Cody Glass and Philip Tomasino. Um, Philip Myers maybe in that Philippe Myers might be in that group too. Um, since since especially on Tuesday evening, um, the Ryan Ellis trade was nowhere to be found. <laughs> that is true. That is very true. Philippe Myers on uh, a scratch and. Cody Glass in Milwaukee, but we'll get to that in a second. Yes, but Any, anything else uh, you want from the first three games? No, I, I mean I think you know, like I said, I think if you are a Predators fan and you want to get a sense of what your what team you'll be watching this year and what kind of games you'll be needing to watch in order for them to win, just go back and watch the Kings game. That's yeah. basically a blueprint. Three one goal games, not not a surprise. Um, nobody's scoring more. Only four goals from Seattle. No one else has scored. Um, I did like the Seattle. Those those uniforms are awesome. I don't know how you feel about it. I mean, I, I thought love, I love I, the sweaters, man. I, I think they're great. I think they look great. Um, I was seated next to our our friend Joe Rexroad, my colleague at the Athletic, for the game last Thursday, and he told me of the. I looked it up. It's called ice blue. That that light blue yeah. accent that they have on their sleeves, and I think it's actually what they have on the actual crest. He said it gave him an endorphin rush, like just looking at it. I, was <laughs> I, like, I agree, but like that's so weird. Strange. Well, Joseph, I mean, you Joseph can like guy. it, but an endorphin rush, I don't, I don't like. That. I, I, I really enjoy how it's come together, and it, and it sort of fits into the Seattle palette, right? right? The Pacific like it, Northwest, yeah it, fits, yeah, it fits into the palette. I, I think they did a great job. My question is for all the people that were there, and I actually asked a few Kraken fan this when we were there. My question is why. Why, why do you own? Why have you spent two hundred and fifty dollars on? Should Seattle we talk gear? about the fight? We, oh, we probably do need to talk about the fight. I don't know the details of it, but I did see it. Here, Before we get to that, the, the uniform, I asked people, like, why are you a Seattle fan? Like, right. why are you a diehard? They've never played a game. Right. Or I guess they'd played one at the time. I mean, why, it's the same why, question with, with Vegas. I mean, <laughs> so, me. so why were And why were they here in Nashville? Like, are you a Nashvillian who's a transplant from the West Coast and you've always loved things from Seattle? You know, what, what was their story? And I asked a couple different people that were there. And they said, we flew to Nashville to come to the game. Because it was significantly cheaper than going to a game in Seattle. Makes sense. Their tickets are in like $2,000 to go to a game. They, they, they said that the flight to Nashville and the tickets in Bridgestone were cheaper than going to... Like, you can't get a ticket. You can't get in. The stadium obviously hasn't been open yet. But, like, they, you, can't, you can't go. And everyone was like, yeah, we're from Seattle. Mm-hmm. And I was just, I mean, people always want to travel to Nashville. Of course. They started the season. But, they started the season on a four, four or five game road trip. They started in Vegas. They came to Nashville. I mean, those are good travel destinations. Right. I think they went to. I was just interested. Columbus, Philadelphia, and New Jersey to to end the end the swing. So of those, I mean, Vegas and Nashville right, are right. clearly the the two most. Uh, but I, I found it interesting appealing destinations. How difficult it's going to be to go to a game. In Seattle, I, I I mean I guess that makes sense. You're launching a new franchise; it should be hard to right. get in. I guess. But. I mean, I, I imagine that if you went back and you looked at Vegas ticket costs and yeah. things of that nature in 2017, it was probably the same thing. 
Um, upcoming here for the Preds. Uh, oh, Wait, you want to talk fight. about the fight? Yeah, you want to talk about the fight? Yeah, there were there were videos going around. I love social the old media. lady just sitting the the row behind, just like looking at her phone. The whole but time. I want to know like, like what can, what instigated that fight. Do like, some journalism. It's those fans probably aren't coming back. I hope there not. was one guy who had. I just don't understand. There what, was one Predators what? fan who I think had pink underwear. Yeah, that's the guy who was in the fight. Yeah, he was just like throwing right hand uppercuts to this guy. Like, why? What? What? What could you? Po- you have been through a pandemic. Who? God knows how many people have lost their jobs. People are sick. Like, what? What? What are we getting in fight? You. You should be happy to be back in a crowd. Be happy that you're at a sporting event again. Right. Why are we fighting with each other? Because physically, it's not a sporting event without. A fight in the stands. So stupid. It's better than throwing trash on the ice, I guess. That is true. No mustard bottles made it onto the ice in these three games. Actually, I disagree. The fight is actually way worse. Maybe not. They're both bad. Don't do it. Don't throw things on the sporting event floor. There was definitely... And don't get in fights in the stands. The, why Why is this hard to... The we odds are, are good. The odds are good that there were plenty of fights at the Eland Stadium we, last weekend. They just didn't see them on the Maybe camera. you're right. We are adults, though, Adam. It's just ridiculous. All right, the Predators, before we take a break and then dive into Cody Glass and Tomasino and the decisions to punt on the strategy after a game or two games, the New York Rangers at Winnipeg on Saturday, at Minnesota in a back-to-back in the division, their first two division games on Sunday, and then San Jose back at home on Tuesday. What do you want to see from this team over the next four games? I would like to see them you know, build off of what they did against the Kings. Um as I've said now four or five times, that's basically how they're going to have to win if they want to be successful this season. And and the uh, it, first of all, it will it will it's been nice to see teams that we haven't seen. I was going to say that too. Um, you know, they of course three we, different. We teams. hadn't seen Seattle, of course, because they were brand new. We saw Carolina for the eight hundredth time in the calendar year twenty twenty one. Um, but and, it's eight different teams in eight games, right? And that then feels normal. It's nice to it, it'll be nice to watch a central division game against yeah. Minnesota and Winnipeg um, on television, um, and San Jose actually off to a better start than most pe- people Man. anticipated. The Evander Kane news we'll is the that. biggest thing happening with the with the Sharks right now. But Minnesota three and zero to get started. So yes, they won a crazy ass game. I think against Winnipeg. On Tuesday, isn't the whole sport crazy right now? I mean, the Sabers, as we record this, are undefeated. That's crazy. Um, is it? Is Montreal still winless? Mo- Mo- Montreal, as we record this, is zero and four. Crazy. Uh, the Blackhawks were booed off the ice. Um, What's in their happening? First home game. <laughs> That's well, tremendous. I think it was their first home game. What happened um, there? Why did that happen? Because they stink. I mean, <laughs> the, we talked about this when we made our predictions. Like there was no other team in the league. I feel like that had. It was more divisive in terms of preseason predictions than the Blackhawks because of the moves that they made, but where they still are in their quote-unquote rebuild. Um, and they're not losing close games. They're getting their asses kicked. They got their asses kicked against Pittsburgh. Yeah. They got their asses kicked against the Islanders. You know, they're not, they got their, I think they got their asses kicked against Colorado. Like they're not losing, they're not losing right. close games. I, listen, they're, warms my heart, Adam. Okay. If you're, if you're a Predators fan, which you are, if you're listening to this, None of this bothers you. You're right. It's amazing. But, it, you know, it's, you know, they, you know, my colleague in Chicago, Mark Lazarus, tweeted out a video of the closing moments of the game against the Islanders and the fans in attendance just booed them off. The it was ice. bad. It took four games. It was bad. Uh, and, of course, you got fake fake vaccine vaccination cards, which we'll talk about. Uh, yes. Of course, didn't Pittsburgh sellout streak end? It did. It ended at 
believe it was 633 games. That's, um, that's impressive. Which since, which we'll since bring... 2007, I think is when it started. Back when and you became that, a Saints fan. Yes, and that includes playoffs too. Um, I it, we'll, we'll talk about this with the Preds coming yeah. up. So all this, the whole league has been a wild start, and it's been fun because it's back to normal. But it feels abnormal while being back to normal. The one the one fun. thing that did happen on Tuesday that I did find entertaining, Marcus Foligno and Brendan Dillon, I think, fought twice <laughs> in the game against the, the the game between the Wild and Jets. That's tremendous. And in the second fight, Marcus Foligno threw a Superman punch at Brendan what Dillon. What does that mean? It, he, like, jumped up in the air and reared back. <laughs> like a Marvel comic? Like a Marvel comic. Okay, I mean, yeah. it is like like it is I a gotcha. MMA maneuver. I gotcha. And I think Brendan Dillon like, was like, what the hell? <laughs> like, I would have been kind of caught off guard too you're not supposed to jump on the ice when you have skates on it's not supposed to it wasn't like a, it wasn't like he was trying to set a vert record like, you know he just got a little he it was a little right, bunny right. hop right. but enough to rear back and attempt to punch him in the face all right we'll get into the stadium series the sellout streak evander kane's 21 game suspension your first viewing of jason isbell um also congratulations to adam ving and i should have started with this but congratulations on ne- becoming nashville's best sports writer how about that allegedly what do you mean allegedly? I told my wife and my mom. They don't my, believe it? My two biggest fans. <laughs> First of all, thank you to the to the readers of the Nashville scene uh, for choosing me as Nashville's best sports writer in the Best of Nashville readers poll. I told my wife and mother that probably four people voted and two people voted for me. No, it's not And true. one person voted for the other two people. Well... <laughs> I think we. I believe it was Tim Sullivan Tim finished Sullivan in finished, second. Tim Sullivan and finished Jim third. Wyatt, and Jim Wyatt. Jim Wyatt was second. Tim Sullivan yes. third. Tim Sullivan of the Club and Country podcast yes. on the 440 Sports Network. So Tim, proud that we have two of the top three. So Tim got a vote. Jim got a vote, and I got oh, two votes. It. That's probably how. It Either is. way, congratulations. So we'll continue all this conversation. However, when we come back, we will dive into the strategy that John Hines is deploying with his young players. Let the kids play was the strategy. Well, for a game or two, Cody Glass is back in Milwaukee, and Philip Tomasino is on the bench along with Philippe Myers. We will try to explain what that means for the Nashville Predators when we return, right here on the Gold Standard. The Gold Standard, Adam Vingan of The Athletic, Pay for Good Journalism, is brought to you by... Jaspers. Um... (laughs) What was the tagline for Herbal Essences? (laughs) Is that the one where the woman's in the shower screaming like she's having an orgasm? Yes. (laughs) I'm going to. I am going gonna, to refrain. Please don't scream like I'm you're going to an refrain orgasm. from making sexual noises. Please, on the podcast. for the love of God, um, go to Jasper's because here's the deal: for every home and away Predators hockey game, you can have three dollar ice chest favorites, which are domestics, right? Like the beers we all grew up on. <laughs> I'm I'm using that. That's my tagline, not Jasper's. Three dollar domestics, ice chest favorites. And a ten dollars smash burger during the game. So for what's on the smash burger? For like sixteen bucks. For like sixteen bucks, you can get two beers and a and a high level dead packet Jasper's smash burger mm. during only during Preds games, home or away. So go to Jasper's during the for the games. It's a great place to watch the games. Parking is free. You never have to pay for it. How much do you think that would cost you at Bridgestone Arena? How many beers? Just the food. Two beers and a burger. How much would two beers and a burger cost me at Bridgestone Arena? Close to 30 bucks. I would say at least 30 bucks. So, half price at Jasper's. And better. And parking is how much? 
zero dollars and zero cents. Zero dollars and zero cents. So what are you waiting for? During Preds games, go to Jasper's. If you've cut the cord and you don't have <laughs> a way to watch the Predators game, go to Jasper's because Sinclair and Bally Sports haven't come to an agreement yet with a streaming service. Go to Jasper's and you can get $3 beers. Or, or better yet, if you don't want any food, just have three beers for like nine bucks. Take an Uber home. Speaking of cutting the cord, I didn't do that when my son was born. <laughs> I honestly had no clue where you were gonna go with that. Is that a is that something most people do? I believe it's some people a, keep it, right? Isn't that crazy? I believe it is a choice. Sometimes the doctor will ask if you I was would not like asked. to get the cord. I, I, I was I, not asked. I stayed. I stayed above the waist. I was not asked, and I stayed above above the the equator as well, both times. Jasper's melts in your mouth, <laughs> not in your hands. Jaspers, can you hear me now? Did you just like look up? Yes. Let's let's see which ones. I, I, th- I think we're steal. I think at this point we can be sued though, right? Or something maybe. I don't know. Maybe not. Because there's like trademark infringement or something. Eh, whatever. <laughs> I mean, Erin would be Erin would be sued before I would be. She's been doing this more longer than I have. Maybe it's maybe she's born with it. Maybe it's Jaspers. Jaspers got milk. <laughs> yes, in fact, they do. They do um, have the milk and the meats. Jaspers, Jaspers, have you ever had a bad time in Levi's? All right, are you done? Um, no. <laughs> Go watch the games. There are some things money can't buy. For everything else, there's Jaspers. <laughs> he, how about he went to Jaspers? <laughs> I mean, you've got the J's, the Jaspers, and the Jared. Yeah, well, I'm just glad there's a there's just a I'm glad there's a gif on Twitter that I can send. To one of my former coworkers, that says something like, "This is what happens when you go to." When you go I've to got Jared. one. So, ice chest favorites. Yes. How much was it? Three dollars. Ice chest favorites. Thanks Three dollars. Smash burger. Ten dollars. Ten dollars. Thanks for listening. Enjoying a Predators game at Jasper's with your friends. Priceless. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Well done. All right, Adam Bingen of The Athletic, pay for good journalism. Um, let's discuss the strategy here. Cody Glass plays two games. Oh, by the way, do you know who's played the second most amount of power play minutes on this team so far? In Tommy three Novak. Games. <laughs> he did get like 50-something minutes on uh, on Tuesday night. Um, no, the num- number one uh, on the list. Wait, what was the question? Who's played the most power play minutes, time on ice, in on the power play? Who you, who's played the most? It's Roman Yossi. I was going to say it's Roman Yossi. 239. Who's number two on the team? Um, average, sorry, average time on ice per game. Sorry. Mikhail Granlund. Cody Glass. Cody Glass, which, according to John Hines, needs to go to Milwaukee to get power play minutes. Well, he's so, playing second power play minutes. Uh, of course. His strategy, though, of course, this is also the set. Philip Tomasino played on Thursday night, was benched on Saturday, and then benched again, scratched on on Tuesday, Philippe Meyer scratched on Tuesday as well. Um, the strategy here to send Cody Glass back down to Milwaukee, I, I get the idea behind what he's saying. Cody Glass is 22 years old. He wants him to play first-line power play minutes, top-line center minutes, and develop as a player. And apparently, that type of player cannot develop in the NHL. Is that essentially what he's saying? Or that he's not ready to develop in the NHL in those two roles. 
he did play a lot of power play minutes. So John Heinz made an interesting um, point during practice or after practice on Monday because I think John Heinz came prepared to answer those questions because he knew that there would be those yes. questions. Yes. So he he brought up Matthew Olivier and Tanner Janelle to start, and he said those players can play 11, 12, 11, 12 minutes a night. And if they get three or four hits, block a couple of shots. Yeah, I, saw, a, I saw this quote. Yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's, that's a good night for them. They can feel good about themselves leaving that game. If you're Cody Glass or Philip Tomasino, you don't get that same feeling. You need, you need to touch the puck. You need to create scoring opportunities. You need to score. You need to, to make a nice pass that leads to a goal. Um, so the needs of young players are vastly different, of course. So John's logic is that, and this is something you often hear from coaches with young players, specifically young offensive minded players, is that if they're not getting top six time in the NHL, or if they're getting and and being productive and being productive and they're getting second power play number, second power play minutes, Cody Glass was the fourth line center in both of his games. Um, it, it, they think that, okay, if I, if he goes to Milwaukee and the thing about Cody glass is that despite, you know, his pedigree and how long he's played in the NHL, he's still exempt from waivers. So they didn't have to worry about losing him to send him down. So they think if he goes to Milwaukee and they don't track time on ice publicly in the AHL, but if he goes to Milwaukee and he plays 22 minutes and he's on the first line with, Igor Afanasyev and scoring and, goals and scoring goals yeah. and playing, you know, orchestrating the top power play. That'll be better for him than languishing on the fourth line at even strength and and doing having cleanup power play duty in the NHL. So I understand that line of thinking for a team that's an established team. I understand that line of thinking for a player who you think is so high level that is going to be your top center or second center. My, my that's my question is was Cody Glass really acquired to be a number one or number two center? Like I don't feel like that's the player. That, I know he was a high draft pick with high, with with excellent pedigree, but that's not the piece I envision him being. We thought maybe second line center, best case scenario, right? Probably a third line center. I totally get what he's talking about. I understand the basic principle here, but I don't know. He doesn't. If he's going to be, and and I guess the follow up to this is Philip Tomasino. What's what's better for you, being in the AHL, or, or playing on the fourth line, or not playing at all? Right. He's not playing at all. So right. again, that could change. They could he could play a lot this next week, and we'll see what happens. But I I, I don't know. If, if I think the point is for most fans, we were told that the strategy is to let our young talented pieces develop in the NHL, and a lot of people now tell us, oh well, you can't develop in the NHL. You have to be ready. You have to have confidence. You I have thought to be just... that. Yeah, I think the so the what most... is so what is it. The most interesting thing that I've heard from John Hines since I've been back from leave is the day that they the day they announced the opening night roster. Um, actually, it was the day before, so they hadn't yet announced it, but they were going to have to submit it that day. So it was a couple of Mondays ago. Um, John Hines said that the NHL for young players, it's great to be here, but it's not a league to gain confidence in, and it's not a league to find yourself. Which I found to be interesting because. I get I, I get what he's I get his line of thinking. My my response to that, and I asked him this question at practice this week, is on the flip side, 
how can a team know if a player is ready for the NHL, a young player, if he's not given the opportunity to make mistakes and learn on the fly? And and, and John said, "You well, you can just say play young guys, but it's not. It's about putting them in a position to be successful and putting them in a position that helps the team win." And look, we can talk about what our expectations for this team are. Their expectations are making the playoffs. So what what they want and maybe what the fans want are two different things. Maybe. So we can say this team isn't going anywhere in terms of getting close to winning a Stanley Cup this year. Develop your players. So spend the time yeah. on development. But the Predators are saying, we're going to try to make the playoffs. So we're going to do what's best for us. And if that means you know, giving Rocco Grimaldi a couple of games instead of Philip Tomasino, that's what we're going to do. And I think there is a disconnect between the, what the team is, what the team wants, and what the fans want. I, I think it's it's interesting. What I'm hearing from John Hines is that Cody Glass isn't isn't ready to contribute in any way. That's what I'm hearing. Like he's just not good enough to play on the third line. Because, I mean, if you could help a team, if he's good enough to play on the third line and contribute, then he would be good enough to help the team con- win. So, uh, what I'm hearing is that he, he, oh, he needs to have power play time. He got some power play time. He needs to have top six minutes. You didn't give him any. He needs to have, like, okay, well, he's not good enough then. And, and, and again, that's that's not a knock on him. He's a young player. He's been hurt. All right. I'm I mean, just saying, yeah. if he's not ready, he's not ready. That's fine. But, like, to your point, they're expect- maybe their their goals are different than what fans' goals are this year, and that that's dictating this. Thomasino, I don't know what you value. I don't know what you gain from Thomasino just being a scratch. That that one doesn't. Uh, that, that I don't quite get. And we'll see. We have to see more of that, right? Though. And I think I think you know last season when he was on the taxi squad and he was practicing with the team and he was around the team, he was playing in the AHL. I think that was all fine. But at this point, you know, you need to know you need to know what you have and. You know, like you said, I, I think it would be more beneficial for them to send Philip to the to the American League, like the basically under the same rationale as Cody Glass. Right. And I and I asked John about that because he he first answered the question about why they 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 sent Glass to the minors, and then I asked John, was it the same re is that the same reasoning for scratching Philip Tomasino? And he said no. Yeah, it was all about the hype of the first night right. and giving him a break and, to decompress. And, and and how, you know, everybody's healthy right now with the exception of Matthew Olivier, and he wants everyone to get involved early. Fine. You know, Rocco Grimaldi didn't play in the playoffs. He had a strong camp. They want to get him involved. I like Rocco Grimaldi. I don't think you really, like, you know what you have in Rocco right, Grimaldi. Right. Like, you're not gaining or losing anything by not playing Rocco Grimaldi. It was it was tough to see a lineup without Philip Tomasino, without Cody Glass, and without Philippe Myers, the two pieces you acquired from the Ryan Ellis trade. The one question I have and about— And the game you won. The one question so. I have about Myers is, you know, he's been wearing a full cage. Yeah, and, that's, that's possible. And I, I, I must have hurt his jaw in a preseason game. I can't recall off the top of my head. You know, perhaps it was related to that. I don't know. That's fair. Um, but, you know, to your point, you know, the fact that he was out of the line, like I hadn't thought of it that way, that the two players that were acquired in the Ryan Ellis trade, Ryan Ellis, who scored the other night, by the way, for the Philadelphia Flyers against the Seattle Kraken, um, 
the two players acquired in that trade were nowhere to be seen <laughs> in the one game they won. And your prize prospect wasn't either, and you won. So maybe he's onto something and we're not. I don't know. Maybe the Kings suck. Who knows? Um, uh, they're, they're, it, they're not bad. It, it will be interesting to track all of these young pieces because, again, here's what's funny about it to me of all of this. You send Cody Glass down. Well, what did you who'd you call up? You brought in a guy who's never played. Right. So I guess he still is letting a young player play. I don't know what that means for the team. It can't be good. <laughs> How about that? Um, all right, stadium series. You went to the press conference. Lightning and the Preds were out there. Uh, it's February 26th, right? Yes. In, at Nissan Stadium. Correct. Did you learn anything important no. about the press conference? No. Yeah, I didn't think It's so. not really a press conference. It's if more you of like a learn- celebration. Right. If It's not really a press conference if you have nothing to announce at the press conference. It's more of a photo slash video opportunity. Um, Gary Bettman spoke. Sean Henry spoke. Yeah. Was it? Jackie Redman. Jackie Redman did, was the master of ceremonies of NHL Network and at Turner. Um, She's very good. She is very good. Also works for WWE now. She's a, a, a Jack slash Jill of all trades. Um, was it Burke Nihill? Is that the name of the the president so. and yeah. CEO of the of the Tennessee Titans? John Cooper. The yep. mayor was yep. there. Saw Unfortunately, him. John Cooper, the lightning coach, wasn't there. That could have made for some... <laughs> that would have been a fun photo that shoot. That would have been a fun photo opportunity. Yeah. Um, it was basically the Spider-Man. They, 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 they could have done the Spider-Man meme right. on the field. They laid out the, the where the... They laid out where, where the, the rake was going to be. be and everything. Um, you know, it was It's fun. cool. It's going to be fun. But that's about they, it. You know, it's always, you know... Tickets it, go on sale Thursday. Tickets go on sale Thursday. I'm, I'm not sure how many single game general public tickets they're going to be. But they go on sale Thursday. Um, I believe the game is in the evening. I believe it's a seven o'clock start. It'd be fun, which I think is the right thing to do. Um, yeah, you gotta one, make it as cold. I mean, as one possible. thing that they, one thing that I'm interested to see, and they sort of teased it during the quote unquote press conference, um, is you know, in typical Nashville slash Predators fashion, they'd like to make a whole week out of it leading up to the game. Um, Stadium series games don't typically have those types of lead-ins. Um, even the Winter Classic um, in Dallas a couple of years ago. I mean, I thought the atmosphere was great. They they had the Texas State Fair around Cotton Bowl Stadium before the game, but it wasn't like a week-long celebration. I think it can be for the fans. I mean, that's what I'm saying is that like— It's for the city, not for the team. Right. But I what, what I mean is like it sounds like the Predators are going to have events around Nashville— in the days leading into the game. Okay. Fan experiences. I assume there'll probably be concerts of some kind. Sounds good. You know, like, okay. I think, you know, I think that'll be fun. That's not something that stadium series games typically okay. get. Well, that's what Nashville does better right. than so, almost anybody else. So. Right. So I, I, I think that'll be, uh, I think that'll be fun. Um, you know, Roman Yossi, Matias Ekholm were there. Uh, Victor Hedman and Ryan McDonough. We're there. I can't imagine what time they had to get up to fly to Nashville because they did play last night, I think, in Tampa. Uh, or Tuesday in Tampa. Um, it was fine. Yeah. You know, it was hot as hell. Um, <laughs> it is. It's been... We had, like, a couple of really nice, cool days of, like, San Diego-style weather, and it's just gotten... It's just... Right. I, I enjoy, like, 49 in the morning and in the evening and then, like, 70 in the day, so I like it. But it is It is almost November. Well, the problem was... the problem was... 
that where we were seated for the press conference was in direct sunlight. Yeah, yeah. So it was oh, it's very, all about you, Adam. Isn't it? it was very Best warm. top number one sports writer in Nashville. Yes. Getting a little I wasn't the only one. Such a diva already. There were lots of lots of our, you're writing you're writing fashion articles and you're the number one writer our, in the city. Lots of our media friends mm. were there. Our dear friend Teresa Walker and Steve Lehman and Kayla Anderson. All wonderful people that probably didn't complain this much on their podcast about Do the they, weather. I don't know if they have podcasts. Um, we'll get to your fashion column in a second. Uh, Evander Kane. Oh, no, no. Sellout streak. Sorry. Let's do the sellout streak before we do Evander Kane. Um, Pittsburgh announced theirs. We talked about it. 633 games. Um, I don't know if it's Nashville's fault because I think some people won't come to games because of other reasons, right? Um, there's At some point, this is going to end, right? This year? So... I mean, the, it's not that so I'm rooting. I'm not so rooting th- for it so to happen. Three, but. So through three games, the Predators have claimed that all three games have been sellouts. There were 17,159 at the Kraken and Kings games and 17,162 at the Hurricanes game. Now, sellouts are counted by tickets distributed, not butts and seats, to paraphrase iconic wrestling announcer Tony Schiavone. So in these three games, especially against the Kings— there was not. It was. There were close. large patches yeah. of empty seats. Now, I believe the p- president and CEO of the Penguins, I believe his name is David Morehouse, you know, did interviews with Pittsburgh media on Tuesday, explaining the end of the sellout streak. I think there were. I think they had sold sixteen thousand plus of the eighteen thousand available tickets, and you know his the major reason, according to him, was the pandemic. You know, that there are people... I, I think that's fair. I mean, I think that's totally fair. I think it's two things that are pandemic-related. It is some people that would normally go that don't want to go because they have to get vaccinated to go. Right. And then there's people that just still are not comfortable going to large, crowded events. Right. And I, so and, I think and you put those together, and it's, it's understandable. Right. So the Predators have... The Predators claim that they have sold out every home game since the start of the 2016-17 season. I looked this up in the media guide earlier. They did not calculate attendance at all last season because it started off with nobody there. And it was limited. And there were a couple yeah. thousand. So that's fine. Um, there have absolutely not been every but and see. And it's <laughs> no, not no. and it's not just No, even couple, going back before the right, pandemic. But it's not yeah. even just a couple, you know, a couple of seats. In a couple of sections, there are it's chunks, chunks yeah. of empty navy blue seats in the arena. So, when my colleague at the Athletic in Pittsburgh, Josh Yoey, tweeted on Tuesday that the Penguins announced that their sellout streak came to an end, it had me thinking. Yeah, it went if and when the Predators will do the same. Which I don't. First of all, I don't think it's a big deal. I know the comp- I know the, the Predators organization wants to claim the streak and they're proud of it and they should be and the job they've done that's great. Ticket prices have gone up and now there's a pandemic. I just don't think it's necessarily their fault. The team's also not the product is not as good. So I don't think it's their fault necessarily. I will say this. There are a lot more quarter zips in the lower bowl than there are hoodies. Before the Stanley Cup run, a lot of hoodies in the lower bowl. Now it's a lot of quarter zips. You get my vibe? Yes. On that. And it, you ticket know, prices are more expensive. I mean, tickets. There's a pandemic. Tickets, the product's not as good. Right. What do you expect? Yeah, I mean, I there's know. a lot of things at play. You know, it's to me, it's a very interesting 
dynamic with Predators fans specifically in terms of what they're expecting from the team. This kind of goes back to the Cody Glass and Philip Tomasino conversation and what the organization wants. And and as you said, you will have Sean Henry on Lamestream Sports coming up later this week. And I imagine that you and Steve got into that with Sean. Sean very much in tune with that. That's part of his job. Um, the the interest, and I say this as we are recording a Predators podcast, the interest in this team feels like it's on some sort of we feel crossroads like it's, or it's, something. I feel like it's teetering. Yeah, that's a good. That's what I was going to say. It's too. teetering on the edge. Um, and I, it, look, it's a lot of factors. Like you said, it's the Predators are requiring either fully vaccinated fans or negative COVID nineteen tests. And look. We're not going to get into the. We're not going to get into whether we both. We're both vaccinated. We both believe it's smart to get vaccinated. We're not going to preach at you, but I have to imagine that if you are not vaccinated, getting a PCR test to go to every game is not a thing. That's not an easy thing to do. No, it's not. So, fans, I, I did love going to the Ryman and sitting around a lot of people, knowing full well that everyone was vaccinated. Right. Though I felt very comfortable, yes. and I was euphoric watching my one of my favorite musicians. Yes. So, so. um. There's that. There's, like you said, there's trepidation. Some people might be vac- sure. vaccinated and just aren't ready to be um, in, a, in a large crowded space. Again, also a personal totally choice. Totally fine. Yep. Yep. And there, honestly, there's just there the interest in this team right now is as, you know, it the, might be as product, long as it's, it's been pro- since I've been here. The product is not as good. It's not more complicated than that. I mean, the pandemic makes it more complicated, but really, if the team was one of the best teams in the NHL right now, you think people would, I guarantee you somebody would get vaccinated. <laughs> That's not if the Predators were considered the best team in the league. If they were President's Trophy type good, I bet you somebody says, you know what, maybe I'll go get a vaccine and then comes to the game. So I don't, I don't know. I just, we, we don't, we don't, there's not, it's not a super complicated conversation. We can kind of move on from this, but I just wanted to point that out that you, 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 you pointed that out on Twitter and I wanted to point it out here on the show. Um, all right, quickly, speaking of vaccines, Evander Kane, of all the players in the NHL, if I told you somebody was going to submit a fake vaccination record to play the sport, of all the players in the NHL, where would Evander Kane rank? I think I'd put him near the top of the list of the players that I would think that would that would break this rule. 21 games suspended. I looked this up. He's getting paid $7 million this year. Mm-hmm. So 21 games suspended. Without pay. 21 games important. is, we're talking about almost $2 million bucks. It's a quarter of the season for him. I, I just, I'm just not surprised that it's him. I, I do feel like that, that, that number of games is really high. But if you're talking about health and safety, I guess it's your prerogative to put the, the limit on whatever you want. I just, I'm not surprised to Vander Kane. That's all I want to get across here is that I, I'm not surprised. Well, you know, Vander Kane has had his issues, um, throughout his career in terms of. Being a bit of a lightning, being a bit of a lightning rod, and, and you're, drawing you're being, some, you're being nice, drawing some negative attention to himself. Um, Anybody you know, named Kane does that. Mm, yes, um, <laughs> you know he he admitted to having a gambling problem. Um, there was an investigation of whether he gambled on NHL games or his own games. Um, there was an investigation regarding uh, uh, spousal abuse, or I guess. To, 
his ex, his estranged yep. wife, that yep. there were, you know, it was also announced in the same pre- same press release about the suspension that they hadn't, they didn't have enough to go to to go on with the with the accusations of domestic abuse. Like, uh, to, like I said, to charge, like I said, or yeah. to suspend him. Not surprised. The, to me, it's interesting that, like, what are we doing here? This is like this. Is, can, what are we, the CIA? Well, what can, are we doing? You can either you can either pay. To have a fake a fake vaccination card <laughs> and risk jail time if you're just or risk or and risk jail time because it is illegal to wow. manufacture yeah. a fake COVID nineteen vaccination card or you can just get a free shot <laughs> and not have to worry about it. Again, I do your not, body your choice, right, Adam. <laughs> I do not want to preach at our listeners, but it to me the choice between getting a free shot. And paying to have a fake card made up that could get you in serious legal trouble, and and cost you part of your seven million dollar job, seven million dollars. This is like the Washington State head football coach took a stand, didn't want a shot. Okay, fine. You just gave up a twenty million dollar job for what? He won't tell us. <laughs> what are we supposed to do with that? Who knows? Andrew Kane, congratulations, buddy. Way to go. Um. All right, what are you going to tell us what your secret weapon is for the fashion article that you're writing? What what makes you qualified, by the way, to write the fashion article for the Athletic about NHL hockey players? Because I I do agree that forcing all these players to to wear suits and ties to their games every day, I think it's stupid. I th- I think it's stupid. Teams, Let the players dress how they want to dress and be personality. There are teams that are loosening restrictions. Like two of them. But that's better than zero. I agree, but it's just, it's it just it is kind of stupid. I I enjoy looking at you know I I enjoy all of the all of the fits that NBA players wear when they come into when they come into the arenas. That's a whole there's a whole so you subsection of NBA Twitter that's just all about fits. So you consider yourself a fashionista, qualified enough to write this article every week in the in the, in the uh, Athletic. Okay, let let's just say just this why. is this is my. If you were listening to the, the beginning of the podcast, this is this is the hint. I am f- very fortunate to have a fashionista in the family. Ooh! So, said fashionista, who has more than a decade of experience in the fashion industry, Ooh, okay, will like be that. assisting me on my initial NHL style power rankings next week. So you're bringing in a ringer. I'm bringing in a ringer. It's a different website. Yes, it is a different <laughs> website. All right, I like that. I mean, but, I look forward to. It. I love Sarah Sivian is writing it with you. It was yes. excellent. I enjoyed it. Um, she's. I like. I like her snarky humor. I think she's great. She's been on the pod before, front of the pod. So we'll have to have her on to talk fashion here in a little while. Okay. Yes. When the Preds are twelve games are under five hundred. Um, Jason Isbell, your first time seeing him at the Ryman. How was it? It was excellent. Um, I, you know, as, as we were talking about before, Jason Isbell, um, for his mini residency. At the Ryman, which he does every year, right? I have never missed one. Um, he is requiring all attendees to be fully vaccinated. There is no other choice. You can't. It's he's not accepting a t- negative test over over a certain age. My five year old okay. is. I'm taking my five year old this weekend, and she is not allowed. If to be you are eligible yet. to be vaccinated, I think it's twelve and up. Yeah. Yes, you yeah. have to be vaccinated yep. to attend the concert. Yep. On the flip side, Travis Tritt decided to cancel <laughs> concerts. That you know, at venues that required those rules. But as I saw on Twitter today, I believe it was retweeted by our friend Steve. 
Uh, Cavendish? Cavendish, yes. Yeah. Someone tweeted uh, a Ticketmaster seating chart of available tickets for Travis, one of Travis Trich's shows, and Ooh. like more than 75% Ooh, of the good. seats were available. So he could say he was canceling to take a stand, but his, his ticket sales were probably... Uh, yeah, I had to get Jason Isbell tickets, like doing the whole like... Furi- furiously pushing all the buttons on the my, internet machine like six I, months ago. My wife and I bought our tickets for the concert on Sunday in early July. Yeah, that's when we... I get them so, when the day they come out. So yeah. it had, we had had those tickets for more than three months when they came was out. It, was it Jason Aldean or... I don't know who it was that tweeted out like... Or basically tweeted out like, you know, freedom people get a choice, all this stuff. And then like... And then tweeted out... Come to the show. You must be vaccinated to come right. to the show, or something like. Maybe I'm. I don't want to throw. Isabel did bus. have a dig at Jason Aldean at the beginning of the show, if you <laughs> recall. Right, he did. You know, he said not to be confused right. with the other Jason who has a bar down the street. Probably don't need to show your vaccination card to get in there. That was excellent. Um, he talked about how hard he was. Like, thank you for coming out, and uh, he's like, thank you guys all for coming out to the Ryman Auditorium. It's a pretty it's, good Jason Isbell, actually. He's like, that's it's Jimbo Hart on the bass. Chad Gamble on the drums. I think you know that he's was like he's like thank you for parking, <laughs> thank you for getting a babysitter, waiting, waiting into the masses of humanity out there. I have on to Broadway. say this though, Broadway was a very interesting place on Sunday evening. Bill's Mafia was everywhere. It, it was a combination of Jason Isbell attendees, Zach Brown band attendees. That, is that what was happening at, at, at Bridgestone Arena? Okay, that explains and Bill's Mafia. See, I like I like Zach Brown, but I, we definitely pulled into downtown and we were like, I forgot all about Bill's Mafia. Didn't even know Zach Brown was playing at Bridgestone, yes. but that's that. There was, there was no Jason Isbell fans. Just so you know, there's only like two thousand of them. I mean, <laughs> everybody what is the else, Ryman Hole twenty like two thousand. Two thousand. It, it is of the people you saw, less than one percent were. What Jason I did Isbell find people. interesting about the crowd at the Ryman, and I've seen a couple of shows at the Ryman now. So, I mean, Jason Isbell isn't necessarily the performer. I mean, he's got great up tempo songs that have a ton of energy. He played a lot of guitar. He on did, night. but. You know, the crowd, you know, I'm wondering if it's in reverence to the venue or it's just the type of, you know, people that consider themselves Jason Isbell fans. But, you know, you know, you know, you, you, sit, co- you sit down, you sit down, yeah. you listen, you sing. It's not a lot of hooting and hollering and standing up and jumping around. I'm OK. I, I'm, I'm o- fine with that. I'm but I did now. find that to be interesting as I was. You're a dad now yeah. and you should be OK with sitting down to watch concerts. I have no problem with sitting down to I watch do. concerts. I will say I've seen Sturgill there and it's very different. People drink brown water and get crazy. Regular attendee of Warp Tour when I was in yeah. middle school and high school, and that's a lot different. A lot of sitting? No sitting. No <laughs> seats to be found. Have you ever been Tour. in a mosh pit? Yes. On the to- like top and bottom? I've never What do they call that? Crowd surfing? Yeah, you crowd surf in the mosh pit? I've never I've never been I've never crowd surfed in the sense that like I was the person being surfed. Passed around. I was the surfer. I've been, I've been the, I've been on, you know, when people come overhead and you have no yeah, choice, yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. To you don't want somebody to get hurt, right? Right. Um, Not a lot of crowd surfing at the Jason Isbell show. No, the but Ryan. it was an excellent show. He, you know, he's a fabulous musician. His band is, his band is nuts. Super like, tight. They, 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 they play really well and they, they get into it too. The you four, know, the four hundred unit. They do very well. Sadler so, Vaden on the lead guitar. Gary DeBorhal on the keys. I don't who apparently lives it. in East Nashville with us. Yes. So no, I, I've, great as show. you can tell, I've seen them a few times. <laughs> I believe that was the second time my wife has seen him. Maybe the third. I, but it was my first time. I, I've lost track. I've lost track. I did three nights one time for the residency, and I learned that was too in many, a row. That was too many nights. 
Or did you space them out? It, it was spaced out, but it was still three nights in a week. It was just too many nights. Now I do two. I do one the first weekend, one the second weekend. I'm taking, I took, I always take the wife to one. We always go to one. And now I'm taking the daughter. So I'm excited about that. Going to do that this weekend. So, uh, love Jason Isbell. Great show. Adam Vigan, where can people follow you? Where can people find your work? What should they pay for? They can find me on Twitter at Adam Vigan. They can find me on The Athletic at TheAthletic.com. And they can find me on this podcast dunking on Stephen Godfrey for his terrible, terrible fandom takes. And where should people go to watch the game if they're not going to the game and they want a $3 beer and a $10 smash burger? They should go to Jasper's. Jasper's on West End where the parking is free. That's right. Stephen Godfrey, take that. No free burgers at your house. My name no. is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. Go to Jasper's, everybody. It's a wonderful place to eat. Great food. Great happy hour. Watch Preds games there. Thank you for hanging out. We're off and running here, man. First episode of the season. We'll be back again, of course, next week. Thank you for listening. This has been the gold standard here on the 440 Sports Network.